Hi, I'm Mark Stalter, Director of Community Association Lending here at Itasca Bank and Trust Company. Even after 20 years, I wake up every day with the same goal, to make maintaining properties as stress-free as possible for property managers and board members of any size association. So whether you're a manager, board member, unit owner, vendor, or just someone curious about life inside a community association, join me as I sit down with guests from the field. Welcome to Community Association Insights. Let's get into it. Welcome back to another edition of Community Association Insights. My name is Mark Stelter. I'm the Director of Community Association Lending for Itasca Bank and Trust Company. Today, we're going to be talking contractors, and I have with me uh, an expert in the industry, Stathi Paniyi from Adams Roofing. Uh, thanks for being here. We Hello. certainly appreciate it. Thank you so it. much, Mark. Uh, the, uh, the goal of these podcasts has been and continues to be uh, an educational process for the board members and the property managers and, and really business partners, but primarily the board members that are facing issues, whether it be uh, legal or finance or insurance, banking, and in this case, contractors, and just trying to provide the board member and the property manager a little bit more detail and insight uh, into the project that they're taking on. And so we've we've gone through a series of uh, different topics. We've gone through uh, the benefits of being a member of CAI. Uh, we've had lawyers on, we've had um, accountants, uh, insurance. Uh, we've, we've discussed the benefits of professional management versus self-management. And so uh, when we, when we look at the topics that we uh, encounter, uh, it's really uh, contractors is a big one. Um, but let's start first with a little introduction. Tell me a little okay, bit about Okay, hi, yourself. Mark. Uh, my name, again, is Stathi Panny. I'm with Adams Roofing. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity coming on today. Um, we've been members with CAI for probably over 15 years, I believe. So it's been quite a while. Um, I'm third generation with the company, and uh, I was fortunate enough that we've been around dealing with property management since 1978. Wow. That's a good long time. Yeah, yeah, it's been uh, it's gone by quick. I guess you've you know? probably seen a lot of uh, a lot of changes in the industry too. Yes, I've personally been in the industry myself for 22 years, and in, even in that 22 years, um, products have changed, installation um, requirements have changed. So it's never zoning, it's never the same. Yeah, yeah. zoning uh, requirements. Yes, probably or you know all that that goes into it. Well, good. Well, thanks so much for being here. Mm -hmm. We really appreciate it. Uh, okay, so I, I'm going to start it the way I do a lot of uh, the podcast, which is I'm a new board member. Uh, I moved into the association. Somehow I got on the board, and now I'm in charge, which is the common scenario that we tend to get with a lot of board members that we work with. Uh, or, I, or I've been on the board for a while, but I've never undertaken a major common element repair project before. I've never dealt with a contractor before. Um, so if I'm, a, if I'm a board member, and this is going to be uh, perhaps my first time dealing with a contractor, um, what would you say maybe is kind of a handy you know, tip, so to speak? What should I be prepared for or what should I be preparing to do as I'm working with the contractor? Yeah, that's a great question. I feel it's very important that the board can at least somehow put together specifications for that specific project. Um, with that said, it would be able to keep whoever's bidding on it on the same playing field, and they're going to be able to uh, really compare apples to apples. And who's going to put those uh, specs together? Who's going to who's going to prepare the specifications? Well, they could go online, which we've seen, and try to follow the 
guidelines of the manufacturer. But in all reality, if they really want a good peace of mind um, and doing this for quite a while, I would really suggest starting with like a engineering firm. That way they would be able to walk through any unforeseens, um, any specifications that may need to be uh, updated or because of new codes. Yeah. Um, so it's that would be, if they could, that would be the great way to start. And if they're talking with you or another contractor, there's engineering firms that you work with that you trust that uh, you might make referrals to? Or is that something yes. that they're on their own and find? They can definitely look up... Um, Online and get a few. There are a few in the industry that are really good, and they're uh, because they're used to working with a lot of the condo townhome boards. Some of the simpler things that they could do is just make sure that the like roofing contractor at least has a state license, of course. Uh, that way, you know they're on track to doing the right thing and their paperwork is correct through the state. Uh, also, typically, siding and roofing contractors will have the opportunity to be certified through a specific manufacturer. And that gives you a little bit of peace of mind since you know that they're going to put on the product correctly. So if they're picking a particular manufacturer and you're certified with that manufacturer, that's telling them we've used this before, we've installed this before, um, you know, we've met the manufacturer's qualifications for being recommended to to work with their products. Yes. And the, the neat thing about that is there's thousands of contractors uh, around. I mean, they're, they're just... I get that, yeah. right? No yeah, one wakes up and say, you know, wake up and say, yes, I'm buying a roof right. today. You know, <laughs> I get it. But the thing is, there's only 3% of those thousands of contractors that are actually certified to do that product. And that's pretty and scary if you think about it. Yeah. Um, most of the major um, products online will have a spot where you could even um, pinpoint a contractor within your area code, and there'll be some specific contractors that have been certified. So I think that really helps take a burden off of the bidding process. Sure. And one of the things that we recommend uh, with uh, no matter who you're working with uh, for your association, regardless uh, if it's a, an attorney, uh, an accountant, a bank, uh, a contractor, is uh, look to CAI. Um, CAI is a nationwide organization. They have chapters in every state. Uh, the uh, chapter for uh, Illinois, it's CAI-Illinois.org. Uh, you can call, talk to Sir, uh, Cheryl Murphy. She'll uh, walk you through the process. Membership is not expensive. So I always recommend CAI and I always recommend uh, vendors and business partners that are in CAI uh, because I think those particular um, companies um, seem to show a, a real dedication to the community, residential community association industry. How much... Um, how much work do you do just with residential community associations as opposed to commercial work? Is there a breakout between? Um, it's probably like over 80 okay. percent steep slope uh, townhome okay. condominium associations. Um, and with that said, a whole nother revenue of that or a, a place of business is also the service work. So that that could be its own um, thing itself. You know? Yeah. Okay, good. So you're you're clearly versed in working with uh, with associations. Yeah, I feel that you definitely need to make sure that a company has access to a service team. Um, that way, you know that it is a legitimate company. If they can get someone out within a day or two to, you know, something as simple as one missing shingle or right. a downspout that's loose. If they have trouble doing that, that would tend to lead to maybe they subcontract all their work out. 
uh, which is not an issue, but I feel that in-house employees still very important in a service department. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That, that seems to make a lot of sense. The term, you know, I always hear uh, on the advertisements is licensed, bonded, and insured. Mm-hmm. So if we walk through those three, um, licensed, bonded, and insured, just kind of walk us through all three of those terms. Yes. Yeah. So licensing, obviously you get licensing through um, Is it just the state, state level? Uh, the state level, yes. Okay. Bonding will typically happen through each county. It's a little bit different how it ranges. Um and I'm so sorry, the last one was insurance. Sure. So insurance yeah. is something I'd really like to talk about, if that's okay. Sure. When in- contractors um, have to purchase insurance, a lot of that is based off the amount of payroll that they pay. Okay. And some contractors will try to get the minimal amount of insurance, uh, or they'll have a minimal amount of workman comp insurance. So if a board member is looking into getting some work done, I think you'd be very specific on the amount of insurance they have. So when we're talking about licensed, bonded, and insured, um, the insurance part, what are they insuring? So the insurance part will break down to two parts in that policy. It'll be uh, their liability. So obviously, if anything were to happen throughout the property, for instance, if um, someone were to hit a car or um, you know something small were to happen on that. The other part of that policy is going to be the workman comp, and that's going to be very important to make sure that they have a significant amount of insurance. And the workman's comp, that's going to cover uh, an employee of the contractor that might get hurt on the job. That's correct. Now, a horror story, again, just for being in this business personally for 22 years, um, you know, there there was a time once where someone that was on site didn't have the correct insurance. And unfortunately, the association had to suffer. They're the ones that got sued. And that would have never really happened. And we uh, we had Cindy Fitz on, uh, you know, who talked about the insurance side. Mm-hmm. And she was actually uh, recommending that when you hire a contractor and you're, and you're taking on a project, that the association... Uh, have workman's comp insurance because in in her eyes from the insurance side of things, even though the contractor is working on site, you're employing that contractor and then by extension their employees. And if Mm -hmm. something happens and you just alluded to it, they're not just going to sue the contractor. They're going to sue the uh, the homeowner, the board, right. the homeowner association. Yes, they definitely will work their way up the chain, if you will. Right, right. So that that makes sense. Um, and then the the bonded side of it. What is the, the bonding is typically throughout each county is a little bit different. That's just saying that they are certified through that specific county, and okay. that um, you know the the actual village will hold, or county holds that bond. I've so. seen some villages that. When they when they require that bond, it almost is is that where it's like a completion agreement or a bond that, that is correct. This, if if the contractor somehow walks off or leaves and it's not done, that bond covers the. That is correct. Is it's that, almost like an insurance policy in itself. Okay. Um, and there are different uh, values of that bond uh, depending on the size of the. Because I'm sure the village doesn't want a half completed roof, and then right. all of a sudden the contractor's gone, and the and the board is saying, "Look, we don't, you know, we paid them. We don't have any uh, any more." Yes, and it's it's. I've heard stories of that happening. Unfortunately. It's something that people have to deal with. So making sure that they've got all of their ducks in a row and taking their time during the process of hiring is is crucial. 
So I've, I've hired my engineer. I've got my specs. I've got my specifications. I know the, uh, the scope of my project. Um, I'm going to be replacing my siding or, uh, you know, taking off my roof or, you know, some, some combination of the two. I've started to interview uh, contractors and I, I give those contractors the specifications from the engineer. Uh, the beauty of it, if you end up hiring an engineer, for instance, like Waldman Engineering, um, they're terrific to deal with because they will actually put the specifications together and they'll round up a group of contractors they feel competent to bid on that project. Okay. Um, so they're actually way, going out and, and doing kind of the... That's correct. They'll have what the is board. called a um, pre-bid meeting. So uh, if you are asked to bid on the project as a contractor point of view, we'll receive an email with that information. Okay. Um, and then we all basically show up that morning or afternoon, really pinpoint all the specifications. And at that point, that's when um, a lot of the unforeseen start to come up, you know? Okay. Um, so once that is done, that just really takes a burden off of the board because the engineer is kind of taking over from there and He'll collect the actual proposals and put them together in a spreadsheet, which I think is marvelous because you'll definitely know that everything is comparing apples to apples. And they understand the terminology. Yes. They, they'll be able to see a bid. And Mark Waldman will be thrilled that you used uh, yes. his company name. But um, uh, they'll be able to kind of put the terminology together, say, hey, uh, we got your bid, but you're missing something here that, yes. that was in the specifications. Rebid this with with the, uh, right. uh, all of the information. And then that engineer brings it to the board and says, here, here's three, four or five different bids. Mm -hmm. I've looked at them all. They all cover what it is that you want to accomplish. Mm -hmm. um, now you can make an informed decision. Yes. And, you know, leading back, <clears throat> excuse me, to like a Waldman Engineering, you know, he has certain inspectors that will get involved with the project and they are really by the book. So you can really have that sense of uh, comfort when you know that they're going to pinpoint and nitpick any little thing to make sure that that is exactly what the customer right. was paying for. And, as a contractor point of view, I absolutely love that because um, we know that we completed it as, like we said, we did, and then we're able to get paid. You know, okay, it's all fun and games till the invoice comes out. Right, 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 right. And you know, when we when we're working with boards and, and they're they're approaching us for the financing side mm -hmm. of the the project, um, you know, we. We don't get that far involved in terms of specifications and the con you know they're free to choose whatever contractor they want mm -hmm. because it's not something that we warrant or require or even understand. I mean, we're a lender, we're not a contractor. So I guess having that engineer, uh, you know, being able to kind of interpret the the terminology within the industry mm -hmm. uh, is certainly helpful. Uh, we kind of talked uh, beforehand when when you and I were uh, discussing this, uh, the inspections. If a board is um, you know naturally suspicious or just suspect? Uh, is the engineer that put the specs together uh, the one to do the inspection on the work because they recommended these contractors, or do you get an independent third party? Inspector no, uh, they'll have their own in-house uh, inspectors, okay. and they definitely know the certain specifications. Um, again, when because of they were taking the time to put that project together and specify what they want to be used. They're very familiar with um, with how it's going to be installed. 
Uh, the other nice thing, um, another point on the engineers is he's had the opportunity to work with all of the contractors that, right. that he asked. So he knows or they know that, um, you know, and he doesn't get involved. They won't get involved with who to pick, obviously, but right. they'll make sure that they're helping you compare apples to apples. So then if we look at the mistakes that a board might be making uh, early on in the process, I'm assuming, you know, high up on the list is going to be you didn't hire an engineer. I, I have financed... Uh, projects a second time on so many occasions where the phone call is we had our roof replaced five years ago and we have water coming in mm -hmm. and then when you start getting into the the story um, it there wasn't an engineer that was involved there wasn't an inspection that was taking place and like you said you know the three percent rule uh, you know of contractors uh, it's, it's very easy to become a contractor, and it's probably even easier to bid low mm -hmm. if the work isn't of the highest standard. Right. And so I see um, that if they're missing that engineering component or they're missing the inspections, and especially we, we can talk a little bit about professional management versus self-managed because there's mm -hmm. a lot of self-managed associations. Yes. And we work with a lot of self-managed associations. We're one of the, the few banks that actually will do that. And we always encourage professional management, but we understand, you know, professional management might not be for every board. There's just certain boards out there that um, are determined to, to manage the property independent. That's fine. But with that comes probably more risks, especially when you're entering into uh, negotiations, negotiations with a contractor. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about um, the benefits you've had working with professional managers versus some of the self-managers. Sure. You know, I do find it challenging at times working with self-managed um, because, again, they typically won't use a engineer, much like you just said. So it gets frustrating at times because I try to do the best I can with um, knowing how the roof should be replaced, for instance. So right. I'm not really concerned on how low or how sh my pencil can be sharpened to, to get it to them because that means I'm just kind of not doing the right thing or having the right product. So I feel that they typically will try to to go with the, the lowest bidder. It's almost um, that phrase, you know, stepping over a dollar to pick up a dinner. You know, yes. I'm going to skip the engineer, um, and, you know, in the formal specs. I'm just going to go to a contractor and say, mm -hmm. look, I need siding or I need a roof. Give me, a, give me a, a bid. And, you know, you're left to come out to the project site. And, and I'm assuming it's a lot more challenging to bid a project without a set of specifications. Yes, it does it make is. it it does make it challenging at times because there's such a wide range of different um, building products and materials. Uh, and and unfortunately, some contractors will use the cheapest material just to get the, the job. And uh, it's just something that I was not seeing fit for um, for what I wanted to do for the customer. Yeah. The other thing is these people, when they're self-managed, I mean, they have their own life going on. They're busy at work. They may have children's baseball games or et cetera. So the communication is sometimes hard if there ever were like an unforeseen, God forbid, where um, an association that has a relationship with the property management, at least the property manager can take some of that. Um, you know, some of those issues off, off their back. And they've seen the, they, they, they've worked with, just like you were saying with the engineer, a professional manager has, you know, a seasoned professional manager has likely worked with vendors in all areas of mm -hmm. community association living, including the contractors. Sure. And, and 
kind of like what you were saying with Waldman is, you know, sure, they, they've they worked with different firms and they know who understands it and they know who uses high quality products and, mm-hmm. and you know, all, all that goes into it and they can make that recommendation. A manager is going to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. They're going to know, you know, I've worked with Adams, right. uh, you know, and just from a, a, a bank's perspective, you know, I see the checks that, that we process for payments and we write a lot of checks to Adams. You know, there's just a, there's a, it, and what that tells us is, Okay, this is a firm that gets used on a repetitive basis, and um, what we can then tell uh, board members that call us is, look, I'm not an engineer. Uh, I, I don't inspect the work. What I can tell you is these are names that I see a lot, mm-hmm. and you know these are people you might want to at least contact and have the discussion so that you can kind of get started. Yeah, and I, I really, truly feel that even if they're so, specifically if they're self-managed, to really get involved with um, the tools that CAI provides, it's unbelievable. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and as a contractor, again, it's helped grow my business tremendously and build relationships, believe it or not, with other contractors for things I may not do or feel comfortable doing or bidding on. Right. Um, so that's been really neat. But really to take advantage of the tools that you guys offer is, is pretty special. Okay, so I've got specs. I've got my bids uh, that are coming in. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at my bids. I make the decision. I pick a contractor, and now you're coming on site. Mm-hmm. What am I, as a board member, going to expect to, or, or I should say, what am I going to experience when you invade? Yeah, um, I was going to say that, a I mean, big brigade. It, 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 you know, it really is an invasion, right? Because yeah. you have to be there with. Uh, you know, the trucks and yes. the materials and the workers and all that goes in in this quiet community yeah. is all of a sudden upended. Oh, yeah. My biggest rule I have with my production department is communication. I feel that before a project is even started, someone on that board should meet with the site supervisor and go over, for instance, delivery dates with material. Uh, Those are, in fact, big semi-trucks that come out, and they've got to get in and maneuver around some of those cul-de-sacs, for instance. Um, The other thing is little things you won't think about, like where does the porta potty go? Mm -hmm. I mean, the men and women have to use the washroom. So that's just something where if you don't communicate that and you just, as a contractor, drop where you think it should be dropped, it's going to make some issues. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, so... I think that's key right off the bat. And then um, I really feel that the contractor, sh- again, should be contacting them and letting them know every phase of the way. It's really funny because a lot of board members won't attend meetings unless it's like something to do with um, like a a raise in the rates or a special right. assessment, of course. So uh, if a contractor usually is awarded the job, he'll kind of go through everything with the board, but again, yeah, there's hundreds of homeowners that haven't been to that meeting. Right, right. There's only going to be a sample. And yeah. Pretty common so I feel like it would be important for at least one of the board members to uh, take on that role of communicating. Because um, obviously the contractor will communicate with the management company, but sometimes they're out of the loop, uh, the board member. Right. right. And so once you get that down, I feel that that is... Um, that is a really good way to start. Now, another big concern that we typically have is, for instance, when you remove a roof system, it's kind of unforeseen. We really don't know what we're running into. And, you know, there's been times where maybe the roofs leaked for a long time from a leak that no one caught. So now you have damaged plywood or dry rotted plywood. And that stuff, you can't tell 
when you're doing the initial inspection? I mean, you really can't. I mean, I'm a pretty heavy set guy. I can get feels a little mushy here and there, but overall, no. And I guess what I'm trying to get as with the communication and with one of those board members, it's very important that they're aware of that right away because right. no one wants those kind of surprises. And so, again, as a contractor, I feel it's very important to communicate and make sure one of those board members knows uh, what's going on. And in, in today's world, I mean, uh, in times past, it was more it was more challenging as far as to communicate, mm -hmm. you know, with the unit owners. But in today's world, a lot of the management firms have websites for the property. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, talk to you if you're professionally managed, talk to the manager, find out, is there a way that we can keep the unit owners up to date on the work that's being completed? And even more importantly, is there a way for the unit owner to communicate back to the manager without having to call the office or call a number. So many people work from home or work remote, where, wherever it might be. Is there a way for a unit owner to get a, uh, a question or a complaint in quickly to the manager so they can communicate with you mm -hmm. and say, you know, hey, uh, whatever it might be, there's materials in my yard or there is, you know, there's uh, uh, wrapping that's blowing around uh, mm -hmm. the property. We need to get it cleaned up. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, um, the website is is crucial uh, in order to communicate that. If you're self-managed, it might be a little bit more challenging because maybe you don't have a website. Uh, maybe you do. Uh, but figure out a way to communicate with the unit ownership um, so that like you said, communication is key. If, if they don't have a way to uh, get back to the board or to the managing agent in order to, you know, be heard for uh, an issue that they're having, it really does raise the level of tension yes. quite a bit. And then you probably feel that because you got people now coming out of their units talking to the workforce and, and, you know, it's the closest object to right. me. So that's the one I'm going to go to. Yeah. And a word of advice, never really talk to a ground guy. Just make sure you go right to a supervisor because, you know, they'll just shake their head and make sure you're happy. But um, to touch on that, I think, yeah, that that's a great, you knocked that right out of the park. We recently um, had a condo complex where it was a lot of the homeowners, that specific one, excuse me, was, Really, um, we were able to provide them with a, um, a schedule on a blog that they put together. And I mm -hmm. thought that was a terrific idea So, um, because they were really up to date on everything. So that was great they touched that. Yeah, if, if the unit owners, uh, you know, it's almost like a chat room. If, you know, if they can be, you know, seeing everybody else's comments, uh, and I see this a lot with uh, video meetings, you know, if you're on Teams or, you know, one of the other uh, video platforms, people are asking questions live during the meeting. And, you know, the board is kind of addressing those questions one at a time as they come up. And and there's, there's ways for unit owners to be able to do that now, um, even though you're not in a meeting, um, but they can get their their concerns sure so yeah yeah i think i think communication is definitely um key uh so okay so you're on site you you found a place for the porta potty which is certainly key uh <laughs> you found a place to to put the materials 
Um, what's going to happen then at that point? What What's a, a typical schedule for work? Uh, are, you know, is there times that you can't work and times that you can? Are you restricted by the villages? Uh, when um, you can every start? village will usually range a little bit. Um, respectfully, we typically like the crews to start around 7, 38 a.m. Um, they're going to usually in the summertime probably work past 6, but at that time, we're just making sure that the ground's really clean. Um, we don't really like to disrupt the the tenants as much as you know right. we we should be so uh you definitely want to make sure that the contractor is letting you know when that project is going to start because it's very difficult for people not to know that and then like their cars are stuck in the driveway for instance and now you have you know two dump trucks and there's you're just not prepared for that person to to be leaving at that particular time right. um so and again that leads back to like maybe the communication part um, but other than that, a typical project should take um, usually about three to five days, I would say, depending on, um, you know, what you're dealing with. Right. Per roof. Per roof, of course. So yeah. I got 144 units. You're you're going to extrapolate that out. Over. Yes. So That's you're there for for an amount of time. Yeah. I mean, once you're on a project, we tend not to, like, bounce around. So once we start a project, you just finish it and then move on to the next. Right. Okay. And so let's get you paid. So now you're you're completing the work. Uh, you're going to submit invoices. Uh, I'm assuming it's going to be progress payments as you kind of go along. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, What I always recommend to board members is uh, whether you're self-managed or professionally managed, and the, the managers know this, um, you want to get lien waivers, right? You, you want to, you know, once the inspection's done and the board is comfortable with the fact that I'm not a contractor, but somebody who's smart enough to know has told me the work was done according to plan. Yes. And now I'm going to request a lien waiver. And the lien waiver uh, that I'm going to request, I believe, is going to be both for the labor and the material. That's correct. So give us a little insight on what a lien waiver is. Sure. Um I, I feel lien waivers are a good thing. It can really give a board a sense of peace of mind that the contractor um, basically paid his material, his or her material, and paid the labor. So if that doesn't happen, the board may have a risk of being sued because that particular product or labor was used on their association. Okay. So a lien waiver is really closing the books on that project right. everybody is is you know kind of done it's kind of an agreement right correct you know, you're agreeing to the fact that material was used labor was completed and i've paid for that and now we agree that uh you're paid and you're not going to come back on me and say oh hey by the way i was talking to the treasurer on the board and mm -hmm. they said that we should do this extra work and and you know the treasurer was like i don't remember that conversation and so mm -hmm. it eliminates it seems all the uh what ifs right? correct okay yes and so uh, the material part always seems to be in question. Um, in Illinois, as I understand it, a material supplier can kind of go through the contractor to the site um, and potentially lien that property if they're not getting the lien waiver for the materials. Is, am I thinking about that accurately? Uh, yes, they could definitely go ahead and lien each individual unit, and a unit owner would not even know it, uh, to be quite frank, until right. maybe they were to sell the property, of course. Right, right. It, um, it kind so, of shows up Yeah, and title. it's a very simple process for the contractor. So if they're leery 
about doing that, like something's wrong. Right. And that would be a good conversation um, maybe in the bid process to, to make sure that they're clear that they're going to want lien waivers at right. the end. Yeah, set the expectations right up front. Yes, yes. So mm-hmm. like uh, our accounting department will typically have lien re- waivers ready to go all the time. We're, we're not asked for them quite as often, but we just have them ready. So yeah. it is a simple thing to do. Uh, it shouldn't be an issue for someone. Yeah, and that's a, that, that's a good point as far as, you know, if you're asking for a lien waiver and the contractor's pushing back, you might be dealing with the wrong contractor yeah. because uh, any contractor um, and, and you know, there's there's general contractors and there's subcontractors, Correct. right? And the subcontractors typically are more specialized. Uh, yeah, they're more of an independent contractor for uh, they're, they're having the work sub to them. So any 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 subcontractor that's working with a general, um, if it's a non-community association uh, type property, let's say it's a commercial building somewhere, a lot of times they have to go to the title company and have those lien waivers recorded yes. um, as uh, as being uh, agreed upon. And this is a much more uh, simplified process when you're working with a community association. So uh, my point being, the contractor should not be pushing back when you're asking for those lien waivers. That, that should just be something that they're uh, willing to give you uh, and it protects you as the board and it protects you as the as the contractor. Yeah, and exp- most contractors will require a third down and that third down really is locking in that material. Um, shingles yeah. specifically have become such a commodity right. that, you know, uh, you had asked me to come on a week or two ago and the shingles have been a different price since then. So it, right. it's just something that um, you want to make sure you get that third and pay. But if a contractor doesn't pay by the time the job is done, yeah, there's something definitely wrong. Like right. that, that material should have been paid months, months in advance. Yeah, and if we've learned anything over the past few years, uh, supply chain issues uh, can come out of nowhere. Yes. And, uh, and, and greatly affect... Uh, the price of yes and contractors know that so they're trying to buy that material as quick as possible it has been a burden it's starting to get a little bit better but again uh, if the contractor is using that money for something else you know for instance he's floating it for i'm not sure but you know a new bass boat or something right 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 right. you never know (laughs) you never know so yeah that again it should not be an issue at all okay it should be something that is you know so the board member is thinking, okay, I'm going to put a third down. I now have my money at risk. Uh, there's a contract in mm-hmm. place, correct? Um, yeah, so you could also ask for a partial waiver, and that is confirming that that material has been paid right away, or a portion of it, of okay. course. Right, right. Yeah. Partial lien waiver and then a final lien correct. waiver at the yeah. end. What does a typical contract look like? How many pages am I looking at? For, uh, ours uh, seem to be, uh, be really specific. We really like to break down each key element. Um, and then the biggest thing is we're really upfront with like the unforeseen costs. Just from experience, I want to make sure the customer understands there could be bad plywood right. or ventilation that's not up to code. So I, I tend to be very clear on the pricing of that. Um, our proposals are about 20 pages long, believe okay. it or not. Um, yeah. The first three really talk about who we are, um, but the guts of that proposal is very specific on the products that we're going to be using and how they're going to be installed. Okay. And if you're getting a 20-page proposal or a contract for work that's being done, have your attorney look at it. Uh, it, it, it 
it makes sense if you're going to spend the significant amount of money to have your roof replaced yes. or your siding replaced or, or concrete work or asphalt, whatever it might be, get the attorney involved to at least do a uh, review of the contract so that if there's something in there that might be a red flag for them, uh, it might only be a discussion point that needs clarification, but it might be something where the attorney comes back and says, you know what, I'm really not comfortable with this particular part of the contract. I'd like to make some changes. And at least you both have an opportunity to have that discussion. Yes. In fact, that does happen quite a bit. Um, I think that it's not a bad idea to, at all to have the contract reviewed by an attorney. Uh, one of the biggest things then too is the attorney can turn around and then set forth a writer of that contract. Um, so that's when they would kind of just like you said, they weren't really understanding or didn't really want to. They needed more clarity on certain items. Right, right. Uh, so that's where the rider really helps. And a rider is just an attachment to the original contract that adds on to it without having to go back and rewrite the contract. You're just adding on to the contract. Uh, yes, you're just adding on some um, issues that you're working out after. You know, yeah. You're just kind of working out the details. The specifics. Yeah. Okay. Anything I missed? No, I, I really appreciate the opportunity uh, to come on and talk today. Yeah. I really did. I, I can't thank you enough. And, and really all that like CAI has helped me like just build my company and, and really help me. Uh, yeah, it really network. is. It's a, it's a great organization and, and uh, I, we're proud to be a part of it as well. Yeah. Um, and we like to see the, the, the vendors and, and the business partners that are in the industry uh, that are in CAI um, definitely seem to be more top tier. Yes. If people want to get a hold of you at Adams Roofing, um, and I didn't prepare you for this, so I apologize. It's okay, that's all right. Uh, phone number, email. Uh, yeah, you like can that? reach me at uh, sep at adamsroofing.com. Okay, and uh, that's a easy way to. To get a hold of Adams and um, you know potentially uh, start the uh, conversation. Well, thank you, Stathy, for being here today. Uh, you've definitely been a, a tremendous resource, uh, and as uh, we always try to pick guests that add value to the conversation, and you certainly did that today. And uh, I'm sure the board members or property managers that are watching this today uh, are going to walk away more informed than when they started. I just want to thank uh, everybody for tuning in. Uh, you can see or hear uh, all of our podcasts on uh, Spotify. You can listen on YouTube. Uh, there's uh, different methods you can watch. You can just listen in the car. Uh, but we just want to thank you for taking some of your time uh, to watch what we have to uh, offer with all these uh, with all these experts. So thank you.